that um, the word speaks into our lives and ministers uh, in, a, in a great way. And uh, if you're new to church, if you're engaging in a journey of faith, then the Bible, the word of God, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But here's the beauty. Uh, you may have been a Christian 20, 30, 40 years and God is still building our faith. And I'm believing, friends, this morning that right across uh, this room, there'll be people saying, well, I, I've not seen it like that before, or God speaks in a fresh way. And so, by his grace and help, every one of us will just get something uh, from the message this morning. Uh, the title of our series over these uh, next few weeks, and we're reminded that we're still in winter. It was it's perishing yesterday. I don't know if anybody went out, but it was, it was bitingly cold, and today's not much better. And, uh, but we want to sort of just keep warm in the sense of God's presence. I want to encourage us, friends. God's doing something. God's doing something amongst us. And I encourage you just to embrace what God's doing. As Christian prayed this morning, whoever prays from the front, just to lean into God, to press into God, because his presence is real and he wants to continually change us and shape us. So over the next few weeks, through different contributors, our series will, picking up on Christian's great visionary presentation of last week, be stand out and shine. And uh, uh, I'd like us to read a verse this morning, which is found, if you've got a Bible, however you access that, in the New Testament, in 1 Peter. And it's the opening couple of verses of 1 Peter. And uh, this morning, the title of the message, when you first hear it, you're going to think, really? And I want you to listen really carefully, because the potential to miss here, what we're saying this morning, is huge. So it says these words, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles. In some translations, it uses the word strangers. I'll come back to that in a moment. So I'm going to use the word, to God's elect, strangers scattered through the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. My, there's the Trinity. And sprinkle with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. What a greeting. And uh, <clears throat> the passion of this morning, the title of this morning is simply this. Strangers. Strangers. To God's elect, strangers. If you've got an older NIV version, it'll have that word. Got it, Christian. Rather than exile, scattered through the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to, the obedient, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. As I said last week, you can take it down now, thanks. Last week, we, um, we heard uh, just a great sense of going forward. Vision. Someone defined vision to me once as an inspired look that leads to inspired action. Otherwise, it's just a dream. And we weren't daydreaming last week. We were being visionary. And as Christians already mentioned from the platform this morning, the passion of that would be that we'd see 50 new decisions and a commitment to a discipleship journey. We'd see a proliferation of small groups, multi-lights across the M1 corridor. And we'd see... I don't know whether you've been going on the motorway lately and the motorway highways have decided they're going to turn the lights off when they should be on, but also you go into blackness. 
And who likes it when the overhead lights are on? You know, it's a, it's a lot easier to drive. I just thought about that. I was going down the motorway the other day. That lights would shine all over the place and make where we live a better place through small groups. And then, of course, increase community impact. And particularly in the Ilkeston journey, maybe saying more. Yeah, more. And uh, there's more sort of uh, on, the, on the horizon. There's more within grasp. Uh, there's more, but we need the provision of God. So believing for all of that to get us from here to there. Former American statesman Dr. Henry Kissinger says the task of a leader is to get people from where they are to a place where they've never been. That's leadership. And it needs some people to say, we're in, we're following, we're walking. Going to a place that we've never been before, of course it takes faith. So how are we going to do that? And what's the best approach? Well, opinion around today in society would be that if Christians become a little bit more like the world, and if we allow them to determine what we believe with little margin and little demarcation, that's probably going to be the best way to do it. But the reality is, friends, that the New Testament teaches the absolute opposite. It calls us to stand out and to shine. It calls us to be strangers. The, letter, the verses that I read are at the beginning of two letters at the end of the New Testament called 1 and 2 Peter, written by the apostle as he, he described himself. And the backdrop to those letters were to Christians in the first century that were being opposed and persecuted, their faith being tried, the dyspora, the scattered. And the reason that they were being scattered was simply because of their ownership of the good news of Jesus, the same as us. And Paul reminds them that they're strangers in the world. Other definitions for that word, as we've seen, are alien, later translations of the New, New International, foreigner, traveler, pilgrim. And in staff meetings in autumn, Christian, we sometimes have some prepared ministry from elsewhere, but sometimes Christian would just share his heart into the staff meeting, which has just sort of gathered in momentum and depth over the last two or three years. And he talked for a couple of weeks on this thought of being strangers. And I said, mate, I sort of had a thought about this, and I, dro- I don't think I've ever preached this, but I sort of jotted this down ages ago. And um, it's, just a, it's just a fascinating sort of principle of Scripture. Maybe not popularly spoken about today, but absolutely vital. And thanks, Christian, for pushing on with that and bringing us to where we are this morning. Please listen carefully, brothers and sisters, Arena Church. The danger of using this word is that we wrongly receive what's being said. We are not, N-O-T, not talking about being odd. We are not talking about being strange, eerie, mystical, enigmatic. We're not talking about that. And you'll see later that strangers really are rooted in a real world to make a difference. But we are talking about the paradox, the contradiction, which is the call to be a Christian, which is if we're going to stand out and shine, we must recognize actually we don't belong. We are otherworldly. Jesus said in John 18, 36, that you are not of this world. Here's what C.S. Lewis said, who was an atheist, of course, and wonderfully came to faith wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and other parabolic stories to communicate the love and triumph of God. 
He said this, the Christians who did most for the world were those who thought most of the next. The apostles who set on foot the the conversion of the Roman Empire. The great men who built up the Middle Ages. The evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. They all left their mark on the earth. Precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of any other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. That's how to live. That is how to live. I'll come to it a little later. But sometimes people say, the problem with you Christians are, you're so heavenly minded, you know earthly use. Actually, friends, it's not a word in the Bible. It's another one of those verses that people come back at you as though it's in Zechariah 3, 7 or whatever. It's not there. In fact, the Bible says, set your affections on things above. When we get heavenly minded, when we realize that we are strangers, pilgrims, travelers, aliens passing through this world, those sorts of people really make a difference. So our verses there in Matthew regarding being light to the world. Light speaks of illumination. We're singing that song in church at the moment, shine your light forever and ever. Light speaks of imposition, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Light speaks of influence. Listen, it says that when they, unbelievers, see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. Lisa has people at the community that haven't yet come to faith, but somehow what they do is an expression of what they see in us. They like it, and actually their lives are on a road to bringing glory to God already. That's standing out and shining. D.L. Moody, the great 19th century evangelist, says, Lighthouses blow no horns. They only shine. And maybe, friends, the church of the 21st century is known at times for sounding off, for always giving the impression that we're against, for picking over trivial rather than running to the vital. We don't want to blow horns. We simply want to shine. And when we shine, we make a difference. So I hope you've got it because we're just going to move into this a little further. This is not about retreating into our shell fearful that that horrible, big, bad world out there is going to get us. Because the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. We are not retreating, friends, into some ghettoized Christianity that says, let's keep them at the door. The door's wide open for them to come in and be part of what God is doing, including you. And this morning, if you're not a believer, I want you to be so captivated by the call to being a stranger that you could do nothing less than respond to the invitation that Christian's going to bring later because this is the way to live so three things about a stranger number one they are not comfortable with sin they are not comfortable with sin in 1 John 3 9 it says that no one born of God continually or habitually sins That verse used to frighten me in the old King James Version because it says anyone that's born of God does not sin. Anybody else? 
but more accurately, doesn't continually, habitually sin. There's a change. And then Peter says in, in, in chapter 2, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners, exiles, strangers, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Temptation to sin comes to all of us. Expect it, detect it, there's a third thing, reject it. Let's face it, sometimes even as Christians, so it's quiet, we're like sinning. Somebody says once that all sin starts out as fun. That's why sometimes we, we, we sign into it. And the reality is I am not saying around the room. In fact, those words from John says that if we claim to have no sin in us, we deceive ourselves. But what I am saying, friends, is let's push it more to the door. Let's resist temptation. Let's start living in a greater triumph in our life. Sin simply means missing the mark. And on the journey of being a stranger, our sins past, our sins present, and our sins future, as we've sung this morning, are all dealt with by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Let's live like it. Let's live like it. Live free. Live victorious. Live uncluttered. If there are things in your life that you are forever running to, this year, die to them. If there are things forever trip you up like a wire under your feet, this year, cut it off. If there are things that you like doing, but when you like doing them and do them, it spoils your relationship with God, stop doing them. I'm sorry, it's no more theologically sort of complicated than that. Strangers are not comfortable with sin. They are not saying they never sin. They are not saying they never get it wrong. They are not saying that they are not failures at times. They are not saying that they are simply people on a journey. They are saying they look upon sin as an irritant, like an irritant in the eye, and they want the soothing oil of the Holy Spirit to continually come and cause them to live a life that's holy unto the Lord. Number two, strangers are not compatible with the values of this world. In the beginning of Romans chapter 12, 16 chapters, it's the pivotal switch verse of the whole of the book. The previous 11 verse chapters have reminded us that we failed God, that God came. And now the practical outworkings of that. Therefore, do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And J.B. Phillips, a great writer of another age, wrote that beautiful phrase in his, uh, his interpretation of the New Testament that says, don't let the world squeeze you into its molds. And then in 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 to 17, and let me just read this to you. He says these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything of the world, here's the description, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, in our autumn uh, Bible training school, we looked at the wonderful letter of John 
And we don't have time to go into it in any depth this morning. But let me just give you a favor of what God's trying to say here about not loving the world. He's not talking about the beauty of creation. I think the Midlands is a great place to live. I mean, 20, 25 minutes up the road, you're into some gorgeous countryside. And uh, so often we can sort of take it for granted. But we live in a beautiful part of the country. Some of you have been to some of the great places of the world and seen some amazing expressions of God's majesty revealed in creation. Remember when we first went to Australia in 2004 to see Sharon's family, that we looked out over the Indian Ocean as it come towards the West Coast to literally see that thing in the sky called the sun disappear down the horizon of the ocean. It was absolutely awesome. And uh, some of you have stood on high mountains. You've been in great valleys. You've seen breathtaking scenery. God is for his world. We ought to, in the right sense of the word, care for the world and love the environment. You don't have to run to a political sort of expression of that. Just be a good custodian of the world that God has given to us. God's not talking about that here. He's not talking about our lack of appreciation of the world. What he's talking about here, the definition is, of the world is the spirit and system of the age which lies in wickedness and opposition to God. Don't love that. Someone says this world is organized on wrong principles and characterized by wrong desires. And let me just bullet point two or three things here. The lust of the flesh, passion, hedonism. It's not just speaking about behaving inappropriately, morally or sexually, but it's about selfishness, possessiveness, wild extravagance that gratifies you. What's the answer? Integrity. Because integrity speaks of wholeness and completeness. No compartments in my life that says that's God, but that's mine. But it's all his. It talks about the lust of the eyes, the have, the possession, the materialism. And it's very, very difficult for Christians in a Western world that we reflect as Christian believers not to be overly drawn into a material world and live as a stranger. You've heard Christians say on many occasions that Arena Church has nothing against people having things. The question is, has things got you? Who comes first? Did you know, friends, that if you earn £21,900 per annum, I understand that people don't, you are, on, you are in the top 4% of earners in the world. There are 885 million people today that don't have access to clean living water. And we are not called to deny the reality of our context, live grateful, not guilty. But we are not to be dominated by the tangible at the expense of the eternal. So guard the eye gate. Because here's how materialism works. When you've got that three-piece suite, guess what? You want another one. And when you've changed that car and you've done all the... Guess what? You want another one. And you, when you've been on that holiday to Spain and it rained all week, guess what? You want another one. I'm not saying you shouldn't change your car. And I'm going to have to change mine. But I'm not saying you shouldn't change your car. But you get what I'm saying? It snares us in. It snares us in. Don't be running to these things like Black Friday and Computer Tuesday. And what's all that about? <laughs> Cyber Tuesday, you know. 
You did not need a 52-inch telly to make your Christmas. You didn't. But we live in all that. What's the answer? Generosity. Generosity recognizes it's all is. And that we are intentional to bless others. And I say it not because he's my friend and my pal and my mate and a very, very respected Christian leader. But the stretch, friends, of that giving this morning goes way beyond what we can ever understand humanly. It touches the kingdom. And then the pride of life. Me, position, self-exaltation, aggrandizement, getting there, treading on them. Woo! It's the world. Here's a definition of humility that's lived with me for several months now. John Dixon. It's the noble choice to forgo your status, deploy, deploy your resource, and use your influence for the good of others before yourself. That's the world. That's the world. And God says to strangers today that we are not compatible to the values of this world. A.W. Tozer says, someone caught up in the world is clearly not ready for the next one. And finally, strangers are not confined by time. Does that mean that we live carelessly in our lives? No, it doesn't. We have diaries. Shakespeare says, I'd rather be three years early than five minutes late. I think he believed in punctuality. I want to say, friends, that people that don't believe in punctuality drive me nuts. And if you've set a platform for punctuality in your life and occasionally the car doesn't start, we get it. But if the car never starts, you need to get another car. You know. <laughs> So here's what it says of strangers in Hebrews 11 from the message. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised. Hang on. No, to quote Batterson, we've got to think long. And there's some of us that are going to die, friends, not fully seeing what God's promised. But there's a generation emerging that are going to pick up the juices of it. It's going to be incredible. Each one of these people of faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it away off in the distance. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients, strangers in the world. People who live like this make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, sin, they would have gone back any time they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that. Heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them. And there's a city waiting for them. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we don't lose heart. Read the previous verses. He'd been battered, he'd been bruised, he'd been knocked down, he'd been trampled upon. He says, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Going through all that. Yeah, and here's why. Because our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, because what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Strangers are marked by the eternal day. They are touched by the kiss of heaven. They are not just living for now. They are living for there. 
And so I close. Our challenge as a church, as Arena Church, going into another year is to be relevant. I use that word carefully. But we certainly don't want to be a relic. We want to relate to people. And I want to give a couple of quotes. Somebody gave me a book at Christmas, and when I sort of opened it, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But I really enjoyed reading it. It was a book by an American journalist and leader called Drew Dyke called Yawning at Tigers, and there's a reason for the rather obscure title. But he said these words. We keep seeking out and loving people because they've been sought out and loved by God. We go anywhere people are because we have a God who was willing to go anywhere for us. We are other, yet intimate. Different from the world, yet immersed in it. Holy and loving, just like the Father. That's a stranger. And he goes on to say, his recollections regarding the Willow Creek Leadership Conference of about three years ago. This is one of the foremost leadership conferences around the world. There are minimally seven or 8,000 people that attend, and the stretch of that conference now through video is over 200,000 leaders across the globe. Many of these people are incredibly savvy. Some of them come from the business and commerce world. Many of them are Harvard graduates and, of course, great church leaders. But this particular year, and Dyke in his book reflects on the leader of the conference's lack of comfort in inviting this woman to speak. There came a lady called Mama, Me, Mama Maggie. And Mama, not Mama Mia. No, please. It's, it's going to spoil it if you go there. It's going to spoil it. Mama Maggie. She's a Coptic Christian from Cairo in Egypt. And she's given her whole life to serving the poor, the homeless, and the non-educated. Three and a half years ago, I had the joy of being part of a delegation led by Ron Hibbert, one of our great mission leaders in AOG to Cairo. And the joy is that I'm able to go again this April. And we went through what is known as Garbage City, where this lady ministers. And it's one of those days where you, didn't, you wish that you didn't have the gift for smell. Oh. It is literally that. People gather up rubbish, sell it for a few pence, and eke out a living. And the kingdom's everywhere, friends. And so this lady established Stephen's ministry. Today, thousands of kids, young people, are marginalized, are ministered to. 700 staff, Lisa. 1,500 volunteers. You can see where it goes. Just growing and growing. And she started her message in traditional robed dress to the acclaim of the audience by saying that when I touch a poor child, I touch Jesus. If you read Matthew 25 carefully, you'll realize, friends, that when you go to the poor, you don't go as Jesus, you go to him. For such as you've done it unto one of these little ones, you have done it unto me. After her presentation, Drew Dyke was able to interview her for the magazine of which he is a contributory writer. And he said that for days afterwards, I reflected on why a witness ministry and life was so powerful. And here's what he said. It wasn't solely what Mama Maggie said, or even what she did, though 
that's incredibly commendable. It's what she was. It was a combination of the two. She was a stranger in the best sense of the world. Her mind was on things above. And she had an acute sense of spiritual reality. At the same time, she was immersed in the greatest needs of humanity. She hadn't holed up in some commune to meditate on spiritual truths. She spent her days and nights with the unloved and forgotten. She was at once otherworldly and down to earth. Someone says, some people are too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. Well, not Mama Maggie. She was definitely heavenly minded, but it not only served to make her of more earthly good. Her spirit was in the heavens, but her hands were on the ground. Friends, that's the way to live. And it's to live as a stranger. A.W. Tozer says, the scared world needs a fearless church. If ever the church needs to arise, friends, in a very, very, very scared world, it's today. Not trying to be like the world, but to be intentionally different. Our spirit in the heavens, our hands on the ground, it will mean inevitably churches, Christians, and people that stand out and shine.